0: Welcome in. We appreciate you joining this final Wednesday edition of the Frary and Smith podcast in the month of May. We're excited to talk some more Sunbelt football today, but before we do, if you haven't had a chance to listen to our sit-down interview with South Alabama Athletic Director Joel Erdman, where we talked to him about the new CFP playoff model and how that's going to affect the Sunbelt as well as so much more, you're definitely going to want to make that a priority this coming week. Today, though, on episode 83 of the show, we'll be continuing our position previews ahead of the 2023 season. We've already released our quarterback and running back rankings over the past several weeks. We saw Grayson McCall take the number one spot for the quarterbacks. Frank Gore took it for the running backs. But on today's episode, we're diving deep into the loaded wide receiver position in the Sun Belt heading into this year. Caden, last year we spent so much time talking about who would kind of take on that wide receiver belt as that top dog in the conference. We saw Ollie Jennings kind of become that. While the league saw a lot of departures, I mentioned Jennings, Jalen Wayne, Tez Johnson left for Oregon. We're not expecting to see much of a drop-off in terms of talent this coming season.
1: Yeah, and you could just, with the transfer portal these days and just so many seniors and older guys that were eligible for a league, I mean, you got Jamari Thrash as well out of the conference. You have a guy like Michael Jefferson, that's not there anymore, Corey Gamage, Jason Brownlee. The list goes on and on as far as the talent that's leaving this conference. But I think it definitely leaves more room for some people to step up that might have gotten overlooked. So I think this list is a good combination of people who have proven in this conference that they can do some damage and have put up the numbers in the production to prove that. And some guys who maybe are kind of poised for that breakout you're kind of poised to maybe jump onto the scene and take some of that take that leap that we saw guys like an Ali Jennings take last year that kind of caught people off guard a little bit and ended up being a force throughout the entire season that gave DB's nightmares the whole season
0: yeah Caden I have to admit to your point this was probably the hardest one that we've done so far It, it felt like with running backs quarterbacks there were there were premier guys that were going to be at the top Uh, I know you and I, as we talk through these, we tend to prioritize guys who've actually done it in this conference before over guys who are maybe transferring in uh, with resumes. So this one's going to be fun. But well, as we promised, uh, we'll be ranking our top 10 wide receivers in the Sun Belt in this episode. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to jump right into today's topic. Today's topic, we'll be ranking these wide receivers. Caden, when we went with the first one, we went and started at the top with quarterbacks. We started from the bottom and worked our way up with running backs. I think today, I'm feeling starting at the top and and talking about the number one wide receiver in the conference.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Let's make a statement early. Let's not leave any suspense and let's, let's let the people know who we think is the top guy.
0: Well, let's jump right in then. Uh, you know, as we mentioned earlier, there was a lot of major departures from this conference in the offseason, both by way of graduation, entering the NFL draft, as well as guys transferring out. Uh, but Kane, that leaves room for a guy that we believe is probably going to be the number one wide receiver in the conference this year. He, was, uh, he is the leading returning wide receiver, and that's Coastal Carolina wide receiver Sam Pickney. Uh, only Jamari Thrash and Chris Thornton had more receiving yards than he did in 2022. He had over 77 yards per game, which was third most in the conference last year. Caden, if there was one blemish on his resume, only three touchdown catches, and I'd like to see that improve coming into this 2023 season. He did all of this, though, in his first season after transferring from Georgia State. He's going to enter this year with over 2,600 receiving yards to his name. That is by far and away the most of any receiver in the conference at this point. Uh, multiple preseason publications have already dubbed him as a first-team all-conference wide receiver. And Caden, playing with a healthy Grayson McCall in a system that ex- that is expected to be more pass-heavy, I don't doubt that he could be a first-team all-conference player this year.
1: Yeah, and this is an absolute Sunbelt veteran. I mean, this guy's entering his sixth collegiate season, spent four seasons at Georgia State before transferring to Coastal Carolina. And that was just a great get for Coastal Carolina. You get a veteran presence in that locker room. You get a guy that has a great size to him, a true route runner, and he has proven that he has that breakaway speed as well and can take the top off of an offense or a defense. Sorry, but I think. One of the biggest advantages he has over a lot of these guys on this list is what he has at the quarterback position. You look at a guy like Grayson McCall, who's just as experienced as he is and kind of putting those two minds together. The physical part of it, it is one thing we all know what Grayson McCall brings as far as when he steps on the field and he's the point guard and leader of your offense. But when you pair that with an experienced wideout like Jared Brown, the sky's the limit as far as looking at that duo. I think when you look at the conference heading into the season, it's very hard to deny what they have at Coastal Carolina at that quarterback position and the wide receiver one position across the entire conference. so It was hard not to give it to Sam when you look at his resume and what he's done in the past. And I think another big factor for him is just going to be his body holding up. I've been in that sixth year and I know guys who have been in that sixth year and it's not easy. So as long as he can stay healthy and maintain and continue to play at a high level with that high level quarterback and new offense, I think the sky's the limit for him. And I think him being able to keep this spot and solidify that top spot, would kind of be a lock, I think, heading into the season, barring something we've probably never seen from another receiver or another quarterback tandem heading into the year.
0: Yeah, easily a chance to go over 3,000 career receiving yards. Caden, I hadn't asked you this before, but have you ever tackled Sam Pinckney?
1: I don't know if I've tackled Sam. He lines up on the outside a lot more when he plays. When we were at App State, I was lined up in the slot receiver matchups. We'll get to someone on this list who I definitely have guarded before, but Sam Pinckney was more out wide dealing with those all-American, all-conference corners that we had at App State. He wasn't. He wasn't lining up in front of me.
0: Subtle plug right there for uh, the standout cornerbacks at App State. Kane. let's move on to our number two wide receiver. And this is another guy who is uh, a veteran. He's been around the Sun Belt for a little while. But last year, he assumed just a, a a new role for him. He had come into that year with under 10 receptions to his name. and And then he just burst onto the scene. Actually, I'm off on that. He had 819 receiving yards coming into last season. I'm thinking of another guy on this list. But. Uh, Caleb Hood, he is one of those guys that really benefited uh, from being in that new system under Clay Helton and and Brian Ellis. Uh, Again, he entered last year with 819 career receiving yards, just two touchdowns. And then he burst and just had a massive season. He leads the league in catches with 87, 925 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, He really, truly, as the season went on, became Kyle Vantrese's primary weapon. Uh, He's just one of two returning receivers. We just mentioned the other Sam Pinckney who comes in with at least 900 yards and three touchdown catches a year ago. Uh, Caden, this will be his second year in that new system, but he's going to be doing it with a new quarterback, presumably Davis Brin, but it doesn't feel like much of a stretch to assume that he might be able to put up even better numbers uh, this season.
1: Yeah, as far as games go and styles of play, I, Caleb Hood's one of my favorite guys in the conference. He's probably the biggest riser, like you said, out of all of the receivers when you were just looking at heading into the season, who you expected things out of and what you got from him. I mean, this is a guy who for years was blocking on the perimeter, was in the triple option style of offense. And then when they go to the air raid, he just completely thrives and completely benefits. But this guy who's very crafty, he has the entire route tree in his bag. And you can tell from the conversation we have with Brian Ellis, that he took the time to learn this system and be in the right place in the right time when it came to running this air raid offense. And he's a guy who can take a screen to the house. He can line up anywhere. He works great in tandem with a guy like Derwin Burgess who comes back. Jeremy Singleton's now gone. So maybe he gets some more touches, but this is the offense where wide receivers get a lot of touches. And so for this guy to get a ton of touches and still stand out in that receiver room, I think is kind of even more impressive than a lot of guys we might see who maybe are able to get more production. But I think you talked about it. The biggest key is going to be, can he match that same productive with a new quarterback at the helm? Obviously, Kyle Trees was consistent week in and week out and found a knack for getting Caleb of the ball. And now Brian Ellis in that offense knows that when they do need to get a go-to guy, go-to ball to a go-to guy that he could be there for them but the only question mark really heading into this season is going to be can he get that chemistry right with david spren the same way he did with kyle vantries last year and just seeing how they put points on the board last year and seeing his production last year i would just bet on yes
0: okay now i'm going to give you a curveball here 87 catches a year ago if i set the over under at 80 for him this season heading into 2023 where do you land
1: Hmm. That's a tough one, but I think you have to go over just because you haven't seen what they're bringing in. We obviously talked about the transfers that they're bringing in. And that's some exciting stuff. But as far as production goes, they know that this guy, when they give him the ball, that he helps them win. And we as fans don't know if the other guys on this team that they've brought in can match that production. So I would I'd bank on him getting another 80 reception season. And I think another reason to kind of double down on that is just because they spread the ball out so much. He's going to be hard to target. We'll talk about some guys on this list later who are maybe one of the only standout receivers on their team. that get a little bit more defensive attention, but with this Georgia Southern team, they throw the ball to everybody. So you can't really single out and hone in on one guy. So I would, I'd bank on Caleb Hood, I'd say going over 80 receptions heading into the season.
0: Yeah. It sounds like a defensive nightmare with all those guys expected to be in the wide receiver room. Caden, let's move on to the guy who did only have two catches coming into uh, last season before breaking out, and that is South Alabama wide receiver Devin Voice and he checks in at number three on this list. Caden, this could be controversial a little bit. He's not a flashy guy, but he did put up some big numbers down the end of the season, and by the end of the year, he was South Alabama's number one wide receiver in terms of statistics. Uh, It was the best season of his career. He was a true breakout performer uh, and arguably, as I mentioned, became their number one wide receiver in a room that also shared with Jalen Wayne, who was drafted. Colin Lacey, who I will give you a spoiler, is going to be on this list a little bit later on. Um, He finished his redshirt junior year with 871 yards and five touchdown catches. Uh, He became Carter Bradley's preferred target down the stretch, Caden 5. 90-plus yard receiving games, including that monster game in the bowl game where he had 11 catches, 153 yards, and a touchdown in that loss to Western Kentucky. Kane, here's what has me really excited about Voison and why I think he can even further elevate his game. He's going to be working with Carter Bradley for a second season, and I could very easily seeing those numbers that were already very good taking another leap forward.
1: Yeah, Devin's a slept on guy. I will admit before the podcast, me and Noah might not have seen eye to eye as far as his ranking, but I advocated for Devin being up there just because this is a guy who led this South Alabama offense in receiving yards, which I think you can't take lightly when you look at their offensive attack and how effective it was. And his game might be the flashiest, but this is a guy that has fantastic soft hands, is a great route runner. You can tell he's a cerebral smart player that can get into zones and make contested catches. And you talked about that compatibility he already has with his quarterback and Carter Bradley, likely going to double down on that this year with an entire offseason working with him. So I think he's very capable. I think we saw with the breakout game he had in the bowl game, what he's capable of as maybe more of a dominant wide receiver one option. And I think going into the season, we came into the season talking about Jalen Wayne. Is he going to be the go-to guy that follows in the footsteps of a Jalen Tolbert from the season before? And then I think going into this season, Boyson's going to be that guy who's probably probably looked at in that same regard. It almost reminds me of Ohio State's wide receiver room a couple of years ago when they had Jackson Smith and Jigba, Garrett Wilson, and Chris Olave. And Jackson Smith and Jigba was a guy who wasn't talked about as much, stayed another year and kind of reaped those benefits. He didn't play this season and Devin will play this season, I think. Some of that could have gotten buried with that three-headed monster attack they had. But when you look at the actual numbers, that's the guy who's actually leading the stats and leading the team in receiving. So very excited for Devin in the year he had last year. And I think with Jalen Wayne out of that wide receiver room, maybe we can see even more out of him heading into this year.
0: Yeah, certainly that would be huge for South Alabama. We mentioned Colin Lacey, who's going to be on this list in a few picks here, but uh, Javon Ivory, who we'll also talk about, it could be another loaded year in that wide receiver room that maybe guys struggle to get uh, enough targets uh, to put up big numbers. Uh, Kane, let's move on to number four. And this is, you know, for me, who I thought was number three. You and me went back and forth on this. Uh, When you look at numbers, uh, Devin Voison was the right pick at number three, but. Kaden, at number four, we're going with Jared Brown, the uh, wide receiver from Coastal Carolina. He is the youngest wide receiver on this list. He was named a Sunbelt Conference Freshman of the Year last year. Also garnered Freshman All-American honors from multiple publications. He went on to finish last year with 789 yards and six touchdown catches. But Kaden, it wasn't his receiving numbers that made him so elite. He also rushed the football 20 times, 187 yards on the ground and a touchdown. That was nearly 10 yards per rush when they used him. It's going to be interesting to see if they still utilize him in that way heading into 2023. But he got injured at the end of the year, but he was a full go for spring ball and seems destined for another big year alongside Sam Pinckney in that coastal offense that's led by Grayson McCall.
1: Yeah, you could argue that Jared Brown's the most versatile player on this list, maybe even the best overall athlete on this list. And I think that's kind of what hindered me a little bit somehow in my eyes, looking at just a ranking of straight up wide receivers. I think he still has some parts of his game as far as being a true wide receiver that he has to sharpen, like that route running and those receiver skills that kind of Tim Beck mentioned when we talked to him kind of polishing that game. But. This is going to be a guy that's going to have the hand his the ball in his hands and Tim Beck's going to do whatever he can to get him the ball and I think when I look at him as a player I look at him as more of like a, a Percy Harvin or DeAnthony Thomas type player who's super versatile can get handoffs in that offensive system last year he got a lot of jet sweeps was the pitch option we know it's going to be a different offensive system this year so I'm very curious to see how he's used this season because he's clearly a freak athlete he makes people miss his blazing speed and he's a young player who has a smaller resume than some of these other guys which also might have hurt him maybe it was a flash from the pan maybe we see a sophomore slump but i think that combined with kind of the question mark of how is tim beck going to use him maybe it dinged him a little bit in my eyes but i think he does have the highest ceiling in this group if this guy ends the season as the top guy in the conference if he refine some of his game as far as being a pure receiver or just get to used even more. I think it's going to be hard to deny him once the end of the season comes, if he can get even better, or even maintain what he did last season. So I think four is a fair spot for a freshman on the list. And I think I'm, I like a lot of people are very excited to see what he does next year in this new offense.
0: Yeah. It could be huge in this new offense. And I think an interesting point too, part of the reason that we saw coastal utilize him in that way last year was some of the injuries at the running back position. They needed to find guys to maybe change things up a little bit. So. With a healthy running back room, a stable of running backs, maybe he doesn't get those same number of touches. But if I'm Tim Beck, I'm still trying to figure out a way to use one of my most dynamic players. Uh, Caden, we'll move on. Number five here, and we're going to go all the way over to Louisiana. And we're not going to talk about the school that you think we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about ULM and their wide receiver, Tyrone Howell, who uh, was a real pleasant surprise last year for Terry Bowden's offense. Uh, He finished in the top 10 in receiving yards, touchdown catches, per catch average, and yards per game in his first season in Monroe after transferring from Kansas State. Uh, He had a couple, Caden, of just huge games. He had 244 yards against South Alabama in the middle of October, 176 yards versus Texas State in early November. He wasn't, though, quite as effective in the final three games of the regular season. That's got to improve, but he's one of the more physically assuming players in the league at the receiver position, Caden, and really the only question I have about him is, How well will he gel with the new quarterback after Chandler Rogers transferred out of the program?
1: It's a great question. It's one of the biggest questions I think you have to address when talking about this team. This guy's Superman, though. He was definitely and by far their main receiving threat last year, and I'm very happy that he made it in this top five list because he deserves it. You could argue that no one, no receiver is more important to their team than this guy when you just rattle off some of those big games that he had. But he had a monster individual year. He had monster individual performances at the position you talked about. This is a super physical guy who can catch contested balls, can make crazy one-handed catches, can catch the ball in people's heads if he wants to. And we've seen that. I'm excited to continue seeing it. But my biggest worry like you mentioned, is who's throwing this guy the ball. There were some inconsistencies last year at the quarterback position that he was able to manage and overcome sometimes, but wasn't able to last year. And I think that's going to be a huge question heading into the season, because I think now every Sunball team is going to have footage of Tyron Howell and what he he can do and what he's capable of. The secret's out. Heading into this season, he's going to get more attention. So I think even more importantly than a quarterback, who else is going to be able to be an imposing threat at the wide receiver position for Monroe? Because if someone else... Can take attention away from Tyrone Howell. That'll open up their offense a ton. You don't want your secondary to be able to account for one, two, three people on one receiver because that just means there's no one else to worry about. So excited about the season he had last year, a little bit kind of on the fence and hopeful, not hopeful. Should I be promised? Should I not be promised about what he's going to do next season? But the foundation he laid last year in the conference is undeniable and super excited about this player. One of my favorite guys in the conference for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely deserving of being in the top five. I think to your point too, about, perhaps developing that second wide receiver. I'd also like to see a running game developed a little bit more in ULM and just change that offense up. Last year, we talked about there was just times where it was pretty stagnant and it almost at times almost felt like a high school offense. That's got to change. Uh, and if it does, Tyron Hall uh, could have another big year. Kane, let's move on to a guy who saw a much larger role as a sophomore uh, last season, and that's Texas State wide receiver Ashton Hawkins. Uh, he led Texas State in catches in total yards a season ago. He finished the season uh, with 587 yards despite only playing in nine games. Uh, but his touchdown numbers, Kaden, are what for me elevated him on this list. I'm When I'm looking at wide receivers, I'm looking at guys who get into the end zone. He did that among the best in the league last year. He had seven touchdowns, which was tied for third uh, in the conference. Kaden, he's an interesting story because he enters the transfer portal after the season amid the coaching search. Uh, G.J. Kinney gets the job. He says, I'm sticking around, and he was rewarded for that with a couple of standout transfer quarterbacks coming in. In this new electric offensive system, Hawkins, who was one of the best slot guys in the league last year, seems destined for some big-time numbers in 2023.
1: Yeah, you talked about it. This guy has an absolute knack for finding the end zone. I mean, he gets behind defenses. He does that with ease. And he has that smaller frame that you're starting to see more and more across all of football in that slot receiver position that just makes it very hard to touch a guy, very hard to guard a guy. And he's going to be a tough matchup for just about everyone he lines up across from in the slot with all that space. And him coming back out of the transfer portal is a great sign. We talked about with Tyron Howell. What's he going to get out of the quarterback position? What's he going to get out of his offense we know that this offense is going to have a priority on throwing the ball, airing things out and picking up the tempo. So you have to think Ashton Hawkins, if he can put a full healthy season together, will be even more of a beneficiary of that system than he was last year. And I think this is a guy that Kev Chardello, I believe when we talked about in the off season earlier, was pretty high on this off season as well. And I think a great just small nugget to hang your hat on, if you're doubting this guy being on this list or being this high on the list, is the absolute monster game he had against Baylor, a team that this Texas state team is playing again this season. Their only power five opponent or yeah, power five opponent they had last season. And he goes for thir- 13 catches, 114 yards and a touchdown. So if this guy can, if this guy can make that kind of stuff happen at the power five level or against power five competition with a school like barrel, I think Baylor, I think the sky is the limit for him heading into this season is one of those premier slot receivers in this conference.
0: Yeah, he could definitely have a big year, Kane. and I mentioned, too, the the quarterback position, and I'm just going to get your comment on this quickly. We have not talked about this on the pod. We had assumed that Malik Hornsby was going to be the starter, and then we saw announced about two weeks ago that T.J. Finley's coming in. Is there suddenly a quarterback competition taking place in San Marcos?
1: There definitely is. It was a very interesting move seeing T.J. Finley, a very... Another SEC athlete coming to play quarterback, but a very different kind of athlete. TJ Finley's more of a, a bigger body, has some mobility to him, but doesn't have that blazing speed that we've been talking about so covetedly about With when we're talking about Malik Hornsby. So I think this only helps Ashton Hawkins even more. He went from having um, Lane Hatcher throwing him the ball to having two SEC quarterbacks having to battle to throw him the ball. So I think it'll only bring kind of the cream of the crop rising to the top in this quarterback room heading into the season that kind of only made me even more excited about who could potentially be this Texas State quarterback heading into the season.
0: Yeah, definitely one of the more now intriguing positions in the conference heading into 2023. Kane, let's keep marching on here as we get to number seven on our list. And I teased another South Alabama wide receiver being on this list. This is where he lands and it's Colin Lacey uh, who lands at number seven heading into this season. He was a huge part of that Three-headed monster at wide receiver for South Alabama last year. He finished the year with 816 yards and six touchdown catches in 13 games. He also served as the team's primary punt returner, so that gives him a little bit of extra credibility in my mind on this list. Uh, He's going to enter this year with 1,205 receiving yards, six touchdowns in his career. Caden, you talked about it earlier when you talked about Devin Voice in South Alabama has shown the ability to develop top wide receivers. We've seen guys like Jalen Wayne and Jalen Tolbert both be drafted in the last two years. And Licey might be the next guy in that list if he can put together a strong junior campaign. Much like Devin Voice though, who we talked about earlier, Caden, I feel like he's going to only benefit from a full offseason with Carter Bradley as well.
1: He definitely will, and he was really kind of the change-up pitch of this receiver room that was a three-headed monster last season. He was the guy who actually led this room in catches last year. He ended up being kind of that safety blanket for Carter Bradley when it was third and short, need to get a go-to ball. He knew he could rely on Coley Lacey in the slot to get open, find his spot in the zone, sit there and... Almost always makes something happen after the catch as well. You talked about him being a shifty punt returner as well. When he has the ball in his hands, he's another guy who can take a bubble screen to the house. He can make people miss on the second and third level. He's extremely twitchy. He's a little bit shorter and stockier than some of his counterparts in that room, but I think he just uses it all to his advantage. And he plays very big for his size. He has the speed. He can make people miss, like I talked about before. He's not who you want to see in the slot. And he's a guy where if you get the ball in his hands immediately, everyone's ears go up on the defense and they know this might take one or more people to get there just because he might make someone miss so I'm very excited about Colin Lacey this season I think he has the potential to have another breakout year and I think being another year in this system like we talked about before with Carter Bradley is only going to help this wide receiver unit that was already so dominant last year and he was a big part of it.
0: Caden is it crazy to think that South Alabama could have two top five wide receivers heading into this year?
1: It's not at all. I think you looked at the way they were able to get their guys touches. It's really impressive that some of their numbers are kind of up to par, close to what Georgia Southern was able to do, but they ran the ball a lot much more featuring ladamian Webb in their offense. So to me, this offense couldn't do any wrong in my eyes last year. And I think with another year of continuity, it's not ridiculous to say that at all. I think they'll be able to do it again. And probably, I think I would, I'd bet more, and we'll talk a little bit later, I'd bet more that they might even have a three-headed monster again heading into the season versus losing Jalen Wade and having to rely more on two guys. But Even if there's another one added to the fold, I think this is just an extremely productive room, and you talked about it. Kudos to their coach for developing them.
0: Man, look at you giving a little teaser right there of later parts of this episode. But, Kane, we'll move on to our number 8 pick here, and this is the reason that I have you as the old head on the podcast because we're going to be talking about a guy that you have played against uh, in your career. Uh, At number 8 here, we've got Corey Rucker checking in. Rucker is back after spending last season at South Carolina. He had spent the previous two seasons in Arkansas State, a rare retransfer back to the school that you were at. Um, In his two years, though, at Arkansas State, 75 catches, 1,279 receiving yards. He had 14 touchdowns, including nine touchdown catches during that 2021 season. He only played in one game last year, just one catch. It was a 52-yard touchdown for him for South Carolina. Uh, He was an All-American and All-Conference selection back in 2021. And Caden, if he can return to form, he has a chance to once again be one of the best wideouts in the league. The only question for me and and him is who the heck is throwing him the football down in Jonesboro?
1: Yeah, it's a big question for him. But I think him even making a return to Arkansas State with some of the conversations that we've been having about them is a great sign for them that he wants to come back and be a part of this program yet again. But we talked about it before. I haven't lined up in front of Jared Brown, I don't think, but I have lined up across from Corey Rucker, and I'll tell you that he is the real deal. Like, this is a guy in the slot that's hard to get his hands on. He's very explosive at the top of his routes and his breaks, and there were a few occasions where he played Arkansas State where he was open against me. I will fully admit that he was open against me, but he did not get the ball because there was other things wrong up front. There was other things that went wrong, and I think that's going to be the similar story like you were talking about heading into this year. He's not joining a team or rejoining a team That got significantly better, shown some different level of promise that wasn't there before. He's joining a team that's looking very similar to the team he was on before. And even though he was productive, he did reach All-American status. There was definitely some money left on the table as far as him being able to make even more plays. So I think the question is going to be, is he going to be able to achieve that ceiling he's going to be able to get to? Because when he lines up in the slot... This is definitely one of the guys who's proven he could be a top five receiver in this league. And I could see him if they can properly get him the ball and model some of that offense around him him climbing up quickly and kind of re putting that crown on his head, possibly that he had in the past.
0: Okay, now I really appreciate the honesty there, because I know it's not easy for you to admit when a, a wide receiver beats you, you defensive backs, you don't like to admit those types of things. So I, I appreciate the honesty there. Uh, we'll move on to number nine on this list and Caden, this is the only player that I'm going to consider a true transfer here. Corey Rucker, uh, had played in the league before. Uh, but this is Elijah Surratt, the, uh, James Madison wide receiver. He comes in, uh, to a wide receiver room that lost some big names this offseason: Chris Thornton, Devin Ravenel. Uh, are both gone. Uh, he's transferring in from FCS St. Francis, where he was an All-American in an All-Conference selection last season. He finished last year uh, with 13 touchdown catches, which would have led the Sunbelt Conference. He did all of that despite only making 42 catches all season long. He accounted for just 700 yards uh, of offense at the wide receiver position. It feels like, though, at number nine here, Caden, this really is his floor in that he probably has the ability to make up a run or make a run up this list if he's able to translate his skills to the FBS level.
1: Yeah, we finally got a transfer on the list, and I think it's definitely well warranted when you look at his resume at the FCS level. You talked about him being an All-American, having those 13 touchdowns that would have led the conference if if it was in the Sunbelt Conference, but will he be able to match that production is really the only question because when you look at some of these other transfers no matter what position it is they might be coming into situations that might not cater to them there might be a little bit more of a crowded position room but this is a guy who can come right in and make up for some of that lost production that you talked about with chris thornton leaving with a Devin robin leaving and he's a very interesting kind of body type he's a big body guy he's strong from what i saw on his instagram it looked like he'd made some one-handed catches in his days playing at the fcs level can't fully confirm or deny that it's hard to get film on some of this stuff but i think His physical presence, he might be able to have that same big playability that we saw last season when you look at a guy like KT that was out wide for them. But I don't know if he's going to be able to maybe have that high volume level of catches like we saw before with Chris Thornton. So very interesting to see how he fits into this offense. But I think there's more room for him to fit in maybe than some other transfers or other guys that are coming into position and elsewhere in the conference this season.
0: Yeah, and as we've mentioned with several other guys on this list too, there's a quarterback battle going on up in Harrisonburg, and that you know could change some things as well. Uh, but if they can settle that position, uh, Surratt feels destined for a big year. Kane, okay, we're going to move on to number ten, and you know, you know us, we can't get through an entire list without having one App State player on this list. We <laughs> kind of went back and forth about number ten, and uh, you brought up a lot of great points uh, for why Christian Horn should be here at number ten. Uh, Caden, a little bit more about Horn. Uh, He finished last season with 33 catches and 600 total yards with Chase Bryce throwing him the football. He was also a part of probably the most iconic moment in the Sun Belt last year when he caught that game-winning Hail Mary uh, to hand Troy a loss in Week 3. This will be his Redshirt Junior campaign, Caden. It was uh, a career year last year for him. The question I have, can he replicate it? And he's going to have to do that with a new quarterback, but it's going to be a similar system. He gets that security blanket with Frank Ponce back at the helm of this offense in 2023.
1: Yeah, this one's going to require a little bit more of a breakdown because he did have a solid season last year. He didn't have anything that really jumped off the page too much statistically. His his, his Miracle on the Mountain Hail Mary play definitely stood out if you watched it, but statistically he didn't do anything too too supermanish or too special. And I think it's because when you look at the offensive system that was run last year with Kevin Barbet, he did a good job of spreading the love and spreading the wealth to different receivers. You saw him leading the team. With 600 yards at receiver which isn't super impressive but you had other guys right behind him that were at 400 yards a couple 300 yard guys so I think with Frank Ponce coming back into the fold though you look at this offense that he ran in the past he relied more on that heavy stack guy reliable wide receiver one option with guys out wide like a Thomas Hennigan like a Corey Sutton and last year was more of a committee so very interested this year to see if coach Ponce maybe goes back to that style of receiver and having a go-to guy and I think When you look at their season last year in the wide receiver room last year, it's hard to pick anyone else to be that go-to guy other than Christian Horn. We might see a guy like Caden Robinson emerge. I know Deshaun Davis is going to have a lot of reps in the slot as well, but I think this new system – is going to lend itself to maybe having a a go-to target out wide. And I think Christian Horn has groomed himself to be that go-to target. And I think a quick story, too, his freshman year, his true freshman year, he was a guy that was on the second-team offense. And our backup quarterback, Jacob Huseman, saw something very special in him and made an intentional effort to kind of feed him the ball and kind of groom him to get ready to be that top guy. And this is a guy who can make difficult catches. He has that sneaky deceptive speed and has a great body type at the wide receiver position. So I think he is groomed and might be prepared to step into that role. I think coach Ponce's offense might lend himself to maybe having a bigger year than we saw last year.
0: Yeah, it will certainly be interesting. There's obviously some other guys who could have made their way onto this list as well. And maybe even at number 10, I think of a Jabri uh, Barber at Troy. I think of a, a Derwin Burgess at Georgia Southern. There's plenty of other names as well. Uh, That could easily be here. So I do feel like the bottom of this list could be a little bit of a revolving door this year as guys look to step up. But Caden, a couple of honorable mentions. We didn't talk about a lot of transfer guys here. And again, like when you and I look at these lists, we tend to weight guys who have had success in the league a little bit higher than guys who are coming in maybe with success otherwhere. I wanted to talk about Javon Ivory. We've kind of alluded to a third guy, maybe a third monster in that South Alabama wide receiver room. He feels like one of those guys, 46 catches, 586 yards a season ago in his redshirt junior year at Memphis. He brings over a thousand yards of receiving in four seasons at Memphis. I feel like he's going to be a nice player in that Jags offense.
1: He definitely can be. He's very versatile. He has that six 180 hundred eighty-pound frame that kind of allows him to light up on the inside and the outside, which I think is going to be very helpful with him entering this receiver room that kind of has some top dogs established. So maybe he'll be able to kind of just fit in and be a little bit of a chameleon in that role. But this is a guy that eats cushion up. He's great at creating space, and he's a great wide receiver that proved that he can do it at a school like Memphis that's had success. But I think him missing the list is more so a product of like we talked about. That's a crowded room already. It will be it will be interesting to see if it's a two-headed monster next year or three-headed monster at the wide receiver position, but definitely have high hopes for Javon Ivory. And I think him stepping into this wide receiver room can only help it be as more stacked as it was before. Maybe the production won't match that, but I think this team and this wide receiver room getting even more dangerous through the transfer portal is just a nightmare for any other defensive backfield.
0: Kane, a moment ago, you talked about the app wide receiver room with Christian Horn, and I know another guy that you're high on that didn't quite make it in the top 10 is Makai Jackson at App State.
1: Yeah, Makai's a great player as well. And we talked about some of these slot receiver specialists and he's one of those guys. He actually went to the same FCS program as Elijah Surratt. So it was kind of the one-two punch there as far as that goes. But, talked about it before, Deshaun Davis has kind of had his spot solidified at that slot receiver spot at App State, so very curious to see if he takes on that role, and that's an offense that traditionally lines up in 11, more 12 personnel than 11, so not a ton of receivers on the field, so I'm just afraid he might be in a position to have to fight for some reps anymore, but if they go on 11 personnel, if they spread it out, he's able to be on the field with a guy like Don Stroman, a Christian Horn, and people that, uh Caden Robinson, another guy, that they're high on at App State. we we'll be excited to see what he can do, but I think as far as fit goes and then being able to get him in that receiver room, I'm going to be very intrigued to see how to, how to utilize not only him, but just the rest of some of the weapons we're kind of a little bit more familiar with as well.
0: Yeah, definitely will be interesting. Caden, we're going to go rapid fire here just real quick. I'm going off script on you. Uh, we just talked about this list. In your mind, how many 1,000-yard wide receivers will we see in the conference this year?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. I think in this conference last season, I believe we had two or three. out of a Jamari Thrash was up there. And he's out of the the league. And I think looking at some of these guys that are kind of – we talked about the guys that are departed. It kind of leaves room for maybe some guys. Is there there a Southern Miss, a 1,000-yard receiver that's maybe in the works? Is there a guy at Georgia State who might be able to fill that role? Is there a guy at Old Dominion? There's some schools we didn't mention here who might be able to highlight a 1,000-yard receiver. So I'm going to give one of those schools, maybe someone on the list, a dark horse that we don't have on the list. I'm going to give one of those 1,000-yard receiver spots to that person and then maybe two – some other people on this list. I could see Caleb Hidd going for a 1,000. I could see Boyce and getting a bigger role. So I'll go with three, and I'll go even more specific two on this list and maybe a dark horse candidate that we don't see coming at one of these schools who might be able to get more balls and get more reps than some other guys.
0: Yeah, perhaps maybe a Ty Mims, a Jacarius Caston at Southern Miss. I think if I had to pick, I'm going with four. Uh, I think we would have had three easily last year had Ali Jennings not gotten hurt at the end of the season. So I think four's uh a safe number. Kane, one final question here. If there was a guy on our list of 10 that you think is going to have the most touchdown catches next year, who's that guy for you?
1: Ooh, touchdown catches alone is a tough one. I think that I have to go with Jared Brown just because of his versatility. If he just has the ball in his hands, if he's able to get some more of those handoffs, if Tim Beck is as high as he says he is on him and trying to get his players in that system, he talked about it has been one of his main philosophies is getting the guys that he needs to get the ball to and space the ball. This coastal offense has always been cooking and hopefully it keeps cooking this year. And I think Jared Brown's a guy who can maybe, if you combine some of maybe his other touchdowns along with his receiving touchdowns, I might be cheating your game that you asked a little bit, but I think if we're just talking pure touchdowns, have to go with Jerry Brown just for the weapon he is and the versatility he provides.
0: Hey, I'm going with Colin Lacey here. I think he's going to have a huge year this year. Could he get to eight touchdowns, maybe nine, even ten, uh, with Carter Bradley throwing him the football? But uh, that's who I'm picking there. Well, Kane, this has been a lot of fun. Again, this was probably one of the more challenging lists to go down through just because of the quantity of really talented wide receivers in the league. Uh, That's going to do it for this episode of the Frarian Smith podcast. Thanks for continuing to support the show throughout the off season. We're excited to continue interacting with you throughout the rest of the off season. Here's a quick reminder. And the reason why is this was actually a suggestion. This show idea was a suggestion from our mailbag. So if you have Sunbelt football related questions, send them our way by emailing us at frariansmith at gmail.com in the coming weeks, we'd love to hear from you and perhaps uh, plan an episode around one of your ideas. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with the next episode of the Frary and Smith podcast on Wednesday, June 7th. Caden and I, uh, we're going to be continuing our Decision Maker series uh, with Georgia Southern Athletic Director Jared Banco. Quick spoiler that's already been recorded. We've already listened to it. I'm really excited about that. You will enjoy that interview as well. Well, that'll do it for us here at the Frary and Smith podcast. As always, if you like today's episode, take a moment to like, right and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. It continues to help us and the show out. We're going to continue bringing you some great content about the Sun Belt throughout the remainder of the off season. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Brary. Thanks for joining us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.